Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, this is one, I think, if you look at our society today, probably the most misunderstood things Jesus ever said. And why is that? Because there's two parts to this statement. Now, our Lord says, judge not lest we will be judged. What exactly does he mean? This is so important. The very foundation and survival of our society and culture, I believe, rests on the answer to that question. What did Jesus mean? Now, it's clear throughout Scripture that we are not to judge the person. That's God's job alone. No way are we to do that. We can't even say, now this is going to surprise a lot of you. You cannot even say any person is in a state of mortal sin. What are you talking about, Father? You've gone liberal on us. No. <laughs> You can say somebody's in a state of grave sin, objectively grave, but you do not know if it is mortal because mortal has three conditions. One, that the sin is grave nature. So a person is, yes, objectively in grave sin, but for it to be mortal, you also have to have knowledge that it's a sin and complete free will. That's, for instance, when I was doing abortion ministry out on the sidewalk praying, and you would meet these ladies that you could just look into their eyes. They didn't want to be there. They didn't want to do it. They were terrified, scared to death. And then there was perhaps their husband or their boyfriend literally grabbing them in front of us and not letting them pray with us, yelling at us, screaming at us, and forcing this poor person to have the abortion. Now, if you believe the teachings of the church, because there may be a lack of free will, that is objectively grave, the abortion, absolutely, but we don't know if it's mortal. She may not have complete free will. You see what I'm saying? And on top of that, we as a church cannot even say that any particular soul is in hell because we do not know how they were judged. There was a man in the 1960s that climbed a bell tower at the University of Texas and shot like 20-some people. Finally, they, the police killed this man, and everybody was, I hope he rots in hell. Yes, justifiable anger. But then when they did an autopsy, they found a brain tumor the size of a golf ball. Now, if this man's actions were swayed by that brain tumor, which we do not know, there could be a lessened or removal of culpability, responsibility. So we don't judge the person. We can't say that they are going to hell because they are in mortal sin. And I hear that often. We can't do that. But the action we can and ought to say is wrong. The action can be objectively grave. That we must judge. God spelled this out everywhere in Scripture. Now, St. Paul tells us this. Now, what I'm about to read you is not my words. These are the words of St. Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Do you not know, this is St. Paul, 
Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor robbers will inherit the kingdom of God. This should be a wake-up call. Why? Oh, because God wants to punish those people? No, he wants to see them come back on the right path. So if we love someone, we want them to inherit the kingdom of God. And if we want them to inherit the kingdom of God, we can't ignore the wrong path we ourselves are on or they are on. First, remove the speck or the log out of your own eye so that you get your life straightened out and then help your brother to get off the wrong path. If we love them, we don't want to see them going the wrong way. If you see somebody that's about to get in the car and say, I'm going to drive to Florida, and all of a sudden they put the car on the wrong road and they're heading north, and you're in the car, and you know you're going the wrong way, are you going to say, well, gee, I can't tell them it might hurt their feelings. They might get a little bit, you know, they might feel embarrassed. So I'm not going to tell them. No, you're going to tell them you're on the wrong road. And so it's because you care. You don't want to see him go the wrong way. Now, we have to do this lovingly. We are to bring attention to the actions of those to help them from being lost. We don't judge the person. That's God's job. That's what Jesus meant by stop judging and you will not be judged. You do not judge the person, but we must judge the actions. Augustine said, love the sinner, hate the sin. You know, you can't judge the actions today in our society because you're a bigot or a hater. Well, this is kind of crazy, wouldn't it? Would anyone pass a law protecting the act of stealing? I'm going to pass a law that says I'm going to protect the act of stealing. Well, no, you can't do that, Father. That's wrong. Exactly. It's wrong. Does anyone say criminal background checks are judgmental of people and therefore we can't do them? Are you going to hire somebody to take care of a kindergarten class and not do a background check on them? Well, that's judging them. No, it's judging the actions to see if there's problems in past history. If we don't judge action, society has no moral compass and it becomes total chaos. Worse, souls are lost. This is why God gave the commandments and why Christ strengthened the moral law. He said, you used to, I used to tell you that you commit adultery, you're wrong. Now, if you even think or entertain it, you could be liable. Bottom line is Jesus gave us the truth with which to follow. We, right now, today, are being destroyed by cultural relativism. What is cultural relativism? Don't tell me your truth. I have my truth, and my truth differs from your truth. Impossible. There can only be one truth. This is why we can't have 40,000 different Christian religions. 
There's only one truth. There was only one Catholic church for 1,500 years before the Protestant Reformation. There was only one Christian church, that being the Catholic church. You know, when I was in seminary, I think I told this story before, but I think it's worth reiterating. I was in class with a couple of Dominican brothers that were sitting in the front of the class. And we had a really good teacher, one of the Dominican priests. And these two seminarians were not arguing, but disputing something. And I, I've said before, I, I don't remember what it was. I think it was immigration. And the one seminarian says, well, I think this. And the other seminarian says, well, my opinion is this. And the professor came in, he's a priest, my teacher in seminary, and he hears this conversation. And he hears these two seminarians, well, I think this. And the other one says, well, my opinion is this. And he looks at them, I'll never forget it. And he says, you know, he looks right at him, he says, what you think doesn't matter. He says, your opinion means nothing. I mean, in the secular university, he would have been fired because he wasn't being sensitive. You know why he said that? He said that what you think doesn't matter and your opinion means nothing. He said, all that matters is the truth. That's all that matters is the truth. This is what matters. Today, you can't, I haven't watched network TV. I mean, I'll watch, you know, um, uh, maybe documentary or something, but network TV, I can't get over the shouting and the screaming of my opinion, your opinion. How about the truth? So this is what's going on now. Jesus, however, this is where it gets a little tricky. Jesus says, be merciful, just as your father is merciful. So now if Jesus is saying to be merciful as our heavenly father is merciful, doesn't that mean accepting whatever a person does as acceptable because we are to be merciful? So if we are to be merciful, Father, that means we can't tell them they're wrong. That's not merciful. Actually, no. It is a work of mercy called admonish the sinner. Remember the corporal works of mercy, feed the hungry, clothe the naked. <clears throat> we also have the spiritual works of mercy. And one of the spiritual works of mercy is admonish the sinner. Now, again, it has to be done in love. We are told to hold each other accountable to help save them. That is mercy. You see someone going down the wrong path. You see somebody falling over a cliff who's cliff hiking. You're not going to say, well, gee, I'm going to let you fall off because, you know, you're a cliff hiker and you, you know, you don't want to be told what to do. No. You're going to stop them from falling off that cliff. If you love the person, and this all has to be done in love, you will stop them from doing anything that could harm themselves. And harming your soul is way more dangerous than anything else you can do. So we lovingly correct them. Our society has lost this. <clears throat> we live today in mortal fear that we will be called judgmental, especially on social media. The cancel culture has taken over, erasing our history and our heroes, destroying our universities and our nation. 
yet unabated it is running amok. Everybody is afraid to death to say anything against it. We have completely lost our way. Calling anything Christian as intolerant or not tolerant or not inclusive. This is something that is very difficult. Now, right now, if I can remind you, the Catechism tells us in 2246, Catechism 2246, that moral issues that become political, we must address to educate the priest has the obligation. I'm going to do that now by just giving you an education on what's happening. I'm not taking political sides, but here's what's going on in our Congress. There is something called the Equality Act, and it has just passed the House of Representatives, if you're not aware of this, and it's going to go before the Senate. The name itself is a misnomer. It's deception. It's deceit. It's very dangerous. It will, if I may summarize it briefly, cause schools, churches, and hospitals to force them to accept the government's beliefs, not their own teaching of the Bible, and government mandates about sexual orientation and gender identity. It will force teachers and students to publicly say that a biological male is a female. Many schools will be mandated to instruct first through third graders that they can choose to be a boy or a girl or neither or both, making biological sex and science a thing of the past. Again, these are moral issues. These are not just political issues. It will force doctors and medical professionals who long to not harm anyone to engage in gender transition treatments such as hormone blocking, cross-sex hormones, and surgery that Senator Ron Paul, Rand Paul, called genital mutilation. This is unconscionable. And it will finally use force to strip Christian and other religious ministries, and this will affect us Marian fathers, their right to hire people of shared faith. We will be forced to hire people that hold hostile views to our deeply held beliefs. So I guess the question becomes, if we look at what this is all about, the Senate Majority Leader said, I dare anyone to vote against this. Now, if those words are used on the Senate or the House floor, I dare anyone to vote against it. And I apologize, it may have been to the media. I'm not sure where it was said, but it is said, it's on public record. I dare anyone to vote against it. Isn't this a threat and intolerance against those who believe in the moral law of God? That's the only question I'm raising here. Aren't you judging me? Why aren't you tolerant of my opinion like you say about me. My opinion is that of God's. It's not my opinion. The only thing some will tolerate are opinions that agree with their own. I think we could say it this way. Any opinion that favors pro-life is not tolerated because it is called intolerant by the media. Any opinion that favors marriage between a man and a woman is not tolerated because it is called intolerant. 
Atheists claim Christianity is not tolerant, yet they don't tolerate creationism as forward as a, as a possibility in schools. And any opponents will be at least prosecuted or at most, or I should say at worst, prosecuted and at least ostracized on social media. As Catholics, we are called to be judgmental and intolerant, not of opinions that are our own, but of God's opinions. If I'm called intolerant and judgmental because I'm standing for what God teaches in this Holy Scripture, so be it, I guess. It's a shame that we have to live like that. But opinions that are differing from their opinions are not my opinions, they're the opinions of God. You know, Jesus told the adulterous woman that nobody condemned her. So nobody judged her as a person and nobody should have. But he also told her to go and sin no more. So the action was being addressed. Let us heed those words, but never, ever, ever forget that it has to be done out of love. I know sometimes I get passionate about this topic because it's a shame to see our loss of the recognition of our founding of our nation and the Judeo-Christian principles that our founding fathers laid forth for this nation. And almost all of them at one way or another said, democracy cannot exist without a moral compass. Democracy cannot survive unless we hold to the truth of what's right and wrong. A democracy cannot survive, George Washington said, without the grace of Almighty God. Let us not spurn that grace. Let us entrust ourselves to God's mercy. Now, am I trying to be combative or take sides or be political? No. What I'm trying to do is say, we need a moral compass. And the moral compass is given to us right here in scripture. All we have to do is turn to it. At least let me live it. If you don't want to live it, I'll pray for you. I will tolerate that. I will tolerate you not living it. I will pray for you. I will sacrifice for you. I will fast for you. But I won't enforce you to live it. On the flip side, please don't force me not to live it. Please don't force me to not stand for the truth. Otherwise, be prosecuted, criminalized, or even thrown in jail. Right now we are not at those times, but many are warning those times are coming. Let us pray for our nation. Let us pray for our country, let us pray for the world. Because remember, as I said before, God's in charge. God's got this. We just have to do our part. There is hope because Jesus Christ is that answer. <clears throat> and if we follow his example of mercy, 
praying for these people, not condemning them, praying for an illumination of conscience and, a, and an awareness of the truth, not pointing the finger. My intention here today is not to point a finger. My intention here today is to say, this is a moral issue which the church teaches that we must follow called the truth. And right now we need prayers for that. God bless all of you. God bless our administration, our senators, our representatives, our elected officials, not condemning them, but their actions need to support a moral compass. That's all we're saying. And all we're saying are the words of the gospel. God bless you. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.